is one lesson I've learned in life, it is way better when I walk in the power of the Holy Spirit than the Holy Spirit, if you know what I'm talking about. Your, may, your name might not sound as cool or as corny as my name when I think about that, but it definitely helps me to think about which power I am walking in moment by moment in each day. But you know what I'm talking about. It's just like a normal day, and then wham, a person you don't even recognize comes out of you as if the good Christian that everyone else knows about just puff, goes up in smoke, right? I can predict to you exactly when it happens to me every day like clockwork. It's at 7 p.m. when it's time to put my littles to bed. The Holy Spirit comes out instead, you know? And what I've learned is counting to 10 does not work. I need to invite the Holy Spirit to come back and take over again so that I can properly, lovingly, with patience and kindness and self-control, put my children back to bed so they think they have a living mother, okay? And that's life, right? Um, but then there's ministry. And ministry involves people, other missionaries even. And sometimes it's hard to do ministry together, Unless we do ministry in the power of the Holy Spirit. And let's be real here this morning. There are eternal consequences if we don't walk in the Spirit as we engage in the Lord's work. And by walking in the Holy Spirit, I mean this. We are choosing to ask him to empower us to live our lives his way in his strength and not in our way in our strength. So let me pray and we're going to dive in and see what the Spirit has for us this morning. Heavenly Father, you have given us such great gifts. You have given us the gift of life, life in your image that I can't even fathom what that even is supposed to mean, but you have given us life in your image. And then we mess up that image through sin, and you give us this incredible gift of the second person of the Trinity, the Word himself coming down incarnate as your son, as a baby, to grow in wisdom that we can't even comprehend that is fully God and fully man, and yet dies this excruciating, painful death on a cross and experiences the wrath of God that we don't have to experience. Not just that. Jesus says he gives us the Holy Spirit so that we could experience freedom from our flesh. And not just that, but we could accomplish this great commission that you've given us. And that we could experience the kingdom of God, what, what that confusing thing is. And thank you, thank you, Heavenly Father. And you've given us your word your word that is living and active and true today. 
And God, today, may your word speak to us, not me, your word. That's what we're here for. We're here for your word. So may your word speak to each one of us this morning. In your name we pray, amen. We are going to overview some Acts today. I didn't do a PowerPoint, so if you want to open up your Bibles, we're going to start in Acts 6. We're going to kind of go from Acts 6 through 9. And we're going to talk about how Acts shows us it's necessary and expected for us to serve together in the power of the Spirit and not our own wisdom and strength. You know, we're either spirit-filled and truly humble servants on this mission, or we are unteachable, prideful people, and we're going to get in the way of God's mission. And honestly, it can flip in an instant. We're not always spirit-filled servants, but we may not always be prideful people either. And so we need to be careful and intentional about walking in the spirit and not in the flesh. So first, we're going to look at Acts 6 and talk about spirit-filled servants. In in chapter 6, it talked about how there were seven men who were selected to serve the widows who were being neglected in the daily distribution of food. And in verse 3 in Acts 6, it says this, Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, who we will appoint to this duty. Now, one of the main requirements for this team of men was for them to be filled with the Spirit. In fact, it goes on to say in verse 5 that they chose Stephen to oversee these men because of two specific things, right? He was full of faith and he was full of the Spirit. So both the chosen servants as well as the leader were to have one requirement that was the same, to be filled with the Spirit. It doesn't matter your role in this organization. You can have a desk job, you can be a jungle explorer, or you can be a mom at home with your kids. The one requirement is for us to be filled with the Spirit. And I think sometimes we forget that this is what God expects of us. Ephesians 5.23 says, God's will for us is to be filled with the Spirit. This should be what we have in check every day throughout our day. Now, look what the result was in verse 8 with Stephen. It says, and Stephen, full of grace and power which we know came from the Holy Spirit, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. God was using him mightily. And God will use each one of us mightily, no matter if we're at home or abroad, if we are full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. The same two requirements. But we aren't always spirit-filled, right? Sometimes our pride gets in the way. And we aren't listening to the Holy Spirit. So as we keep reading in this chapter, we see that people started to revolt against Stephen. And it was because he was filled with the Spirit. Look at verse 10. It said, they could not withstand 
the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. They were actually disgusted with the fact he was filled with the spirit. They couldn't withstand it. That's how obvious it was that Stephen was speaking under a different authority, a different power than his own strength. And what's important for us to see is even though they saw this wisdom and they saw that it was the Spirit, these men were not willing to submit and they were not willing to change. Boy, that's hard. There are times you know you're walking in the Spirit and people still are not going to respect you, even in our organization. And they're not going to not going to submit and change. I've experienced it. I have walked with Jesus. I know I'm following him. And people under me in leadership don't respect me or follow me or submit. That will happen to us. They were still against Stephen and his leadership, even though they couldn't deny the spirit inside of him. In verse 15, it said this, And gazing at him, all who sat on the council saw that his face was like a face of an angel. I mean, the Holy Spirit, it's going to become so obvious when we're empowered by him that our entire countenance will change. And what's interesting is when Stephen stood up before this council, he only accused them of one specific thing. He could have accused them of so many different things, right? About their lack of faith, their unteachability. But this is what he said to them. He said in verse 51, you stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. They were not willing to listen to him. So let me ask us this. How often, who cares that we're missionaries? Who cares that we're Christians by title? How often are we prideful, stubborn people who are resisting the Holy Spirit in our lives? We need to ask ourselves if we're doing that. Are our hearts and ears shut off to his leading and guiding us? Do we think we know better than maybe a younger staff that has been put positionally over us, or someone with less years of experience than us? Or are we humble, spirit-filled servants? Do we make our own plans without seeking the Spirit's guidance? Have we gotten used to daily making our plans without asking the Holy Spirit? If so, he will never be able to use our lives for the greatest potential for his kingdom because we will be hindering his mission from moving forward. Well, what else might happen if we live as spirit-filled servants like Stephen did? Well, we might be persecuted. Stephen was stoned to death after his bold speech. But what's incredible is even in that, he was spirit-filled. In chapter 7, move over to the next chapter. In chapter 7, verse 55, he says this. But he, Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, Paul is making sure we know what is going on 
in Stephen in this moment, but he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven. Wow, what an opportunity, right? And he saw the glory of God. Now, don't miss this next part. And Jesus standing at the right hand of God. What do we normally hear about Jesus after his ascension? He's normally sitting. Jesus is standing for Stephen. I mean, does that give you chills? He knows what's coming. The Savior of the world is standing for Stephen. Because Stephen, filled with the Spirit, is standing for his Savior. I want to be standing for Jesus to the end. I want to be one of those legacy staff one day. I got 25 more years to go, but <laughs> I want to be walking with Jesus to the end. Don't you? Not just on staff with crew, not just on staff with whatever part of the organization. I just want to be standing with Jesus. And the only way to do that is to stay continually, daily, empowered and filled with the, with the Spirit, especially in times of challenges and trials. And they're not going away anytime soon. Stephen said in verse 60, just like our Lord said on the cross, Lord, I mean, he's looking up. He's gazing into heaven. Jesus is standing up. And he says, do not hold these sins against them. He did not say this after the situation was resolved. He did not say this after years of counseling from trauma. Listen to me. He said this while he was being stoned. How was he able to do that? He was filled with the Spirit. If I may be so bold as to submit to you this morning, one thing I have seen far too often in our ministry is unforgiveness between missionaries. I have been to 30 countries with crew, mainly, not only, but mainly to help teams in crisis due to unforgiveness and bitterness that has crept into teams. They say the number one reason missionaries leave the mission field is because of conflict with other missionaries. This is Satan's biggest strategy. It's not COVID. It's not losing your support. Bitterness goes unchecked. We justify why we can stay hurt, angry, and offended. And Stephen had every excuse, and he chose none. 
He chose to forgive, and he even asked the Lord to forgive them. And that sort of forgiveness seems impossible, but it is possible if we're filled with the Spirit. So I ask you, who might you need to forgive today in our ministry, in our organization? Even if you felt wronged in some way, bitterness is not the way. That is Satan's strategy. Do not allow it to creep in. Stephen's ministry began with the Spirit, and it ended with the Spirit. And that is how he found peace, and that is how he received a standing ovation from his Savior. Let our ministry be the same. Well, what else can happen to us? Well, we can get power hungry sometime. Sometimes we can try to take on the role of the Holy Spirit and be independent of him and his power because we want the glory. We can get a taste of what it's like to be filled with the Spirit and the power that it brings, and we try to reenact it on our own, in our own pride. Or we see that God is using others in the power of the Spirit, and we can compare or we can get jealous, and we start to demand that we want those experiences for ourselves. Sorry, wasn't so prepared to turn the next page. And we forget that we were meant to work together in the body of Christ and that we need each other if we want this ministry to move forward. And this happened with Simon when he saw the power of the spirit that Philip had. And people say that maybe it did cause him to believe. I don't know. God knows, right? But it also caused him to want that power for power's sake, not for the result of truly blessing others. Now we're in chapter 8. In Acts chapter 8, 18, it says this. Now when Simon saw that the spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, give me this power also so that anyone who I lay my hands on may receive the Holy Spirit. I mean, doesn't sound so bad. Isn't it kind of like making disciples? Hey, you want this power and you can go make more disciples. He thought he could buy it. But Peter saw right through the motive of his heart. And this is what he said in Acts 8, 21. He says, you have neither part nor lot in this matter. For your heart is not right before God. Whew, can you imagine just saying that to somebody? Whew, I don't know if I'm that direct. But repent, he says, therefore of this wickedness of yours and pray to the Lord that if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. For I say, I see you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. You know, the point of this is that the Spirit might be asking us to repent of some sort of pride, or put it this way, self-sufficiency in our ministry, or even our desire for fame or power. You know, it's tricky because as much as this exact ministry and crew is so needed, it could be enticing because it's, it's just so like, oh, look at what Jesus Film has done, right? So we have to balance not being prideful of what Jesus Film does as well as that we need to get this mission accomplished, right? Finding that balance of humility versus pride. The Spirit wants, to, wants us to be humble in what we do. We want to figure out what is the reason we want to be filled with the Spirit. 
Why do we want to be filled with the Spirit? Is it for our glory, our attention, or for God's? And are we using our spiritual gifts together within the body of Christ? Or are we working too independently? Sometimes we want to just do stuff on our own instead of working in the body of the Christ, body of Christ, working with the body of Christ. So we need to check our motives. So what else could happen? Well, are we listening to promptings of the Holy Spirit? In Acts chapter 8, we know the famous story of Philip, who was told by the angel of the Lord to go to Gaza. And he didn't know why, but we know that he obeyed and went. Now, I don't know about you. I have not had an angel of the Lord yet talk to me, but I have obviously had the Holy Spirit talk to me. And what I think is so beautiful is when he finally got to Gaza, not the angel of the Lord talked to him, but then the Holy Spirit talked to him. So two different things talked to Philip. And the Holy Spirit said to him, go over and join the chariot. And I think sometimes as missionaries, what can happen is we compartmentalize our mission. We can go overseas, or for me in campus ministry, I can go on campus and I can do ministry. But here's the question is, do we have a plan for our neighbors or for the barista at Starbucks or the teller at the grocery store that we always go to? Um, you know, how are we doing... This is the real question. At following the Spirit's lead outside of our strategic plans. That's what we need to figure out. Do we feel his promptings to talk to people often or not? I mean, we say we're a Spirit-filled organization. But do we just pray for the Holy Spirit when we go out and do random evangelism or before we're going on a mission trip or before we go out and do something specific Jesus film? Or is this in your daily life? Do you ask the Holy Spirit to give you promptings to talk to someone? I mean, even at church, do you think about the person in the pew that you may not know? Maybe they're not a believer or they're a new person at church. Has the Holy Spirit prompted you to go meet them or talk to them? Or, I mean, you're a missionary. Have you met the people at your church? Like, seriously, this, this is kind of convicting, like how we compartmentalize where we ask the Holy Spirit to maybe show us people or care for people or reach out to people, right? Like how, and then the question is, is how do you feel when you have that nudge of the Holy Spirit? Philip responded by running. I mean, he ran to that chariot, you know, or do you have fear, anxiety, hesitancy? Um, you know, Philip had no clue what to expect, but he ran because he had trust and positive anticipation. And when we're empowered by the Spirit and we know he's prompting us to go talk to someone, we should have trust that God is with us and he's going to guide us and show us what to say and do and see what's going to happen. And that's exactly what happened, right? He comes across the Ethiopian eutych, has this amazing evangelistic conversation, leads him to Christ, and that would not have happened if he didn't follow the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And so, so much of being empowered by the Spirit means hearing that still small voice to go talk to someone, to go minister to someone, to go take a crazy step of faith when you don't have details figured out. And I just want to encourage us, like, how much are we doing that outside of our ministry 
to-do lists in, in our jobs. Um, and this is exactly how I felt when I was serving overseas in East Asia on stint as a staff person. We were praying and fasting and asking the Holy Spirit to show us a new strategy to run towards the students um, with the gospel. Because this, the strategy in East Asia when I was there, I was there in 2004 to 2006. Um, and back then, because we were so fearful of the Communist Party, we were told that we needed to sit down with someone three times before we could have a spiritual conversation. And we wanted to see if God had another way. We're like, we are never going to reach all of these college students if we have to sit with them three times before we can share the gospel. So during one of our prayer times, this idea came to us to create a boy band and through music share about God's love. I mean, it felt totally corny. It was totally opposite of our current strategy, but we decided we were going to try it. And at opening night of this fake boy band, we had 2,600 college students show up. I mean, it crammed out the, audi the auditorium. And how it worked was if you had a student ID, it was free. But if you were a professor or if you were a government official or anyone else, it was a crazy expensive ticket. And God just knew how to work around the laws of the land. And so only college students were in this auditorium. And the theme of the concert was corny as well, Journey of Love. And between the songs, the lead singer, Joey, shared about his journey of a painful heartache, breakup, and um, he had deep depression. And um, he met a friend that shared about love that can heal broken hearts and that can enable us to love again. And Joey left his story as a cliffhanger, and he said, if you want to know the whole story, you have to come back to our final concert on Friday night. So who knows if anyone's going to show up for another concert, but that was Joey's idea of a cliffhanger. And then the next night, we went to the other side of our mega city of 5 million people, and we had another 1,000 students show up for concert number two. So we had almost 4,000 students the first two nights. Well, the final night, we had 700 students return to hear the end of Joey's story. The band started to sing songs about Jesus and love for him on the cross. And while they sang on the screens behind them, for the very first time we know of in that large country in East Asia, we showed portions of the Jesus film to 700 college students. Eyes started to turn because they had never seen pictures of Jesus being beaten and nailed to the cross. It was very disturbing for some of these students. And weeping was heard all around the room. And when the song was finished, the lead singer asked this question, did you open your heart to Jesus tonight? And then he led them in a prayer of salvation. And the room started to echo as hundreds of students, we didn't say they had to pray out loud, but hundreds of students started to pray out loud in their own beautiful language. Some were on the aisles kneeling and crying, and others were standing with their arms raised to the heavens, shouting the words, unashamed for the world to hear. And that night, out of the 700, 
519 students put their faith in Christ. Thank you, Jesus Film, because you were a part of that. You were the part of starting a revival in Astasia, a way, a new formula, a new strategy of secret crazy boy bands going around East Asia, finding a way to break the laws and getting the Jesus film out there instead of waiting three times to talk to one student to get the gospel out there. But what's amazing is as we tried to follow up with these new believers, they kept bringing their non-Christian friends, and so we ended up with over 700 new believers in a matter of a few weeks. I mean, it would have taken years to see that much fruit if we had stuck to our man-made strategies and not taken the time to seek the Holy Spirit's guidance on his strategies to reach the next generation with the gospel. I mean, come on. My strategy would have not been a boy band concert. Would it have been yours? No. Right? Come on. What? incredible ministry opportunities might you be missing out on because you're not seeking the Holy Spirit's direction or following the proddings of the Holy Spirit when it comes to new strategies to reaching the world with the gospel. Well, there's one more of what else could happen. What else is we need to be preaching the Holy Spirit? When Saul, not, Paul, not yet Paul, was a new convert, Ananias came to him saying in Acts 9, 17, says, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me. And he sent Ananias for two things, that you may regain your sight, so thank goodness Paul could see again, and be filled with the Spirit. The first thing that Paul needed besides his physical sight was to understand the empowerment of the Spirit. How often are we teaching others to be filled with the Spirit? I mean, this is one of the foundations we need to be talking about with new believers and mature believers alike. This is what gave Paul, was given to Paul so that he could have the effective ministry that we all know about. And so often we forget that this is foundational. And look what happened in Acts 9.31. It says, so the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. <sighs> Don't we want peace? Didn't we just pray for peace and unity within even our own organization? And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. It multiplied. That's what we want, right? We want to multiply. We want to reach this world with the gospel. But have we forgotten to walk daily in the power of the Holy Spirit? Have we forgotten to share with others how to walk in the Spirit after they come to Christ? This is how the church will grow. If they don't have the Spirit, they're not going to grow in their sanctification, right? They're not going to become more like Jesus. They're going to walk in their flesh. If they're not walking in the spirit, they're not going to be bold to go share their faith in persecuted places or even in America, right? I mean, without the Holy Spirit, they're not going to become sanctified and they're not going to become sent once. I always say the three S's. God's will for you is to be spirit-filled so that you can become sanctified and so you can become sent once. That's my definition of God's will, okay? And so it's like, that's what we need. If we, that's why we need to encourage people to be spirit-filled believers. And so this is true discipleship. 
And this is how together we're going to see God use our ministry to advance his kingdom for his glory. So the point, this is the end, becomes very clear. Effective ministry cannot happen without this one requirement. Daily surrendering ourselves to the guidance and empowerment of the Holy Spirit. It's both, right? Holy Spirit, where do I go? Right, Dr. Bright and Vanette Bright. What did they say? Lord Jesus, empower me to go where you want me to go, to do what you want me to do, to say what you want me to say, to give what you want me to give. I mean, that's on our wall in our house. That is there every single day for me to see, right? Surrender every day and empowerment every day. Or ministry is not going to happen, people, right? So I'm going to close with a sobering thought. Sorry, I'm not a motivational speaker. I'm a conviction-level speaker. Do you regret having me? Okay. So I'm going to close with a sobering thought. How much ministry, honestly, do you do in your own strength? And how much ministry do you do that is spirit-led? And here's my question. You can decide if it's biblical or not. I'm still in seminary, okay? You got, I got one more year. I'll ask Garudam this when I go home. What if, so that's a what if question. What if only, there is the grace of God, but here. What if only the ministry you do in the power of the Holy Spirit counts for eternity? What if? What if only the ministry you do in the power of the Spirit where he's leading you, where he's guiding you, where he's empowering you, counts for eternity. How much of your ministry would actually count? I mean, that's something to think about, right? We want to be spirit-filled missionaries because then we'll be the most effective for God's kingdom. And that's how I want to end well. What about you? Let me pray. Heavenly Father, Thank you that we are image bearers, and thank you for your son, and thank you for your spirit. May we faithfully be people, men and women, that are truly spirit-filled servants, that together will do this ministry together in the power of your spirit, because we want to be a part of this great commission that is not ours, but is yours. This is not our mission. It is your mission. These are not our lost people. They are your people that you created, that you are going after. It is your spirit that unveils their eyes. It is your spirit that convicts their hearts. It is your spirit that will show us how to share with them Jesus. It is your spirit that will show us new strategies. It is your spirit that will show us how to reach our neighbors. It is your spirit that will show us how to love our church members and our ministry members. Lord, help us to be like Stephen, where he was so truly faith-filled and spirit-filled, he could forgive anyone for anything in the moment. Amazing. Because, Jesus, I want to, at the end, know that you are standing with a standing ovation, not because of Holly, but because I walked in the Spirit. And so help each and every one of us to walk in your Spirit daily. In your name we pray. Amen.